With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside here, and we are back with the Athletic Hockey Show Two-Man Advantage. Sort of a new twist on things for 2021. I, I hope it bodes well for the coming year, the coming season. The one thing remains constant, and that the little snippet of the brass bonanza there, but also, of course, Pierre Lebrun joining me from Toronto. How are you feeling, my friend? In a few hours, we're, we're taping this on the morning of opening night. It's, not, it's sort of like a baseball thing. We're opening puck drop night. Five games to kick off the revamped 2021 NHL season. How are you feeling? How Do you feel different than normal on opening day for the NHL season? How are you feeling? Well, first of all, yeah, the rebranding of our podcast under this new umbrella. I feel like those WHA teams that went into the NHL umbrella in 1979. <laughs> don't, don't you? Like, uh, especially, you know, when you think of the Brass Bonanza. But so there we are. We're, we're part of this new umbrella. It's all good. Look forward to, uh, to continuing to, to bring it with you on this, on this podcast every week. Uh, I, I just hope we're not the Birmingham, I hope we're not the Birmingham <laughs> Bulls of the athletic hockey show, though. That's that's what I'm hoping. Uh, yes, for. that's a good point. Uh, but yeah, it, it's obviously a different feeling yeah. here on 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 opening night. I mean, you know, normally you know the Leafs are hosting the Habs. I, I'd be at a morning skate, and obviously they're trying to limit the the footprint for the local media. And I don't feel right uh, taking a spot away from it from a beat writer because they actually do work. So I'll be watching from home, but. Um, and again, for those listening who are wondering what it's like for the media as we start this season, I mean, there still is no access to the dressing rooms, of course, or to players or to anyone. I mean, the people going into the arenas to watch games are doing just that, and then they're at a home, right? Uh, all all the uh, the interaction and the interviews are still done over Zoom for probably for, well, most of the year, I would think. But um, So it is a year like no other. Um, and I would say the other thing to keep in mind, as we've already seen with the Dallas Stars affecting the schedule, that just go with the flow. Uh, that that whatever it says on your schedule for next week, don't. Uh, <laughs> it, it's not written in stone. I, I think what we saw with Major League Baseball, where gee, some teams missed like ten days of the schedule and came back and tried to make up those games. Right? Uh, football, we had games on Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Hockey's going to follow suit. I mean, unfortunately, there are going to be situations, postponements, and, and we just have to get used to the, you know, to to the lack of, um, you know, certainty involved with this very unique season. Yeah. And, and what's uh, what's great about this show is that in a few minutes, we're going to hear from Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. And, you know, we'll be talking to him uh, about the Dallas situation and, and what that means. And and just in case people haven't followed it, um, the SARS were, um, you know, have already had three games postponed. Uh, it won't come back any earlier uh, than the 19th. That's still very much in the air. Now, their training facility did open. Um, yesterday, the day before we're taping this, um, but they were missing 14 or 15 players. Um, and, and they've had 17 positive tests among the just the players. So, um, and uh, that, you know, that to your point, Pierre, that you can't have, you don't want to have too many of those. But, I, and I talked to somebody, um, you know, a team executive who said, listen, this is, this is better to have this now a few days before the start of the season um than in mid february or mid march or mid may um so i you know glass half full that's probably an accurate statement but i i think the the expectation is that there are going to be some speed bumps along the way mm-hmm. it just seems because you don't control the the covid-19 virus it controls you and it's still 
it's still out of control, even with the vaccines rolling out. It still is. That's just the way life is around the world. It's certainly life in North America where the NHL is based and and we're going to have to get used to it. And I wonder if you think that will, you know, will do you think fans are, are, will, are almost used to it right. as you point out with MLB and NFL do you think they're used to it do they they do you think they understand and and that it won't it, it won't hamper the enjoyment of, of of what we do see on the ice well and even the NBA which has already had its season underway has had some some you know postponements right and it's funny because you know the NBA certainly seemed to get their act together first but I remember and I think I told you this guy I remember thinking that is not a bad thing for the NHL to sort of let the NBA go first because, you know, let's see how this plays out. And, and and you can learn, again, there's another league that you can learn from. And all these leagues talk to each other. I mean, the, the commissioners and deputy commissioners and the, the players associations all have intermingling communication about best practices and issues. And so, yeah, if you're the NHL, you, you know, the NFL, on a which has this incredible platform and profile, football has, you know, gotten to the playoffs and they've had tons of postponements. And, and like I said, a game on a Wednesday night and, and a game which was a low point for me, a game featuring uh, the Denver Broncos didn't have a quarterback. I don't think you want that if you're the NHL in terms of, you know, the kind of lineup that, that NHL teams will be able to ice this year at different points. You know, I asked Bill Daly this uh, for a Q&A during the holidays about knowing, having the smell test for that moment, right? Like when will the Denver Broncos moment come for the NHL yeah. where you're like... You know, how many skaters and, and, and you know, the, the level, you know, you know, are there too many AHL players in this lineup tonight? I don't know. Like, at some point, you'll just, you'll probably know it to feel it, right? And so that'll be an interesting moment probably at some point this year for the NHL. But, and, and, and listen, we're, you know, we're so obviously the priority is to focus on the health part of all this in the middle of a pandemic. But the business side, in terms of the NHL teams navigating the salary cap, on opening night, it's been unbelievable to watch all the navigating. I mean, you know, Tyler Johnson, I think, is going to miss opening night for Tampa because of the cap. But then the rest of the year, it'll be a second-line player killing penalties. Like, it's all about the cap, right? It's all about right. how to navigate the opening night roster with LTI and all this stuff. And it's happening all over the place. I mean, I talked about this on Insider Trading yesterday, but... You know, it was far from ideal for Edmonton and Winnipeg each to lose their number three goalie on waivers. And because the number three goalie this year is going to be pretty important, I think, for a lot of teams because of what we're living. And now I think that both the Oilers and the Jets will go out and, and figure that out over time here and, and, and pluck another goalie and, and, and so on and, and, and replace him. But all these things are... are are kind of unique to this year and, and, and are going to be important. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, hit a couple of the uh, newsier elements as we uh, head into our discussion with Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. Um, I was interested to follow what is happening with the Florida Panthers and defenseman Keith Yandel and, you know, a real change, uh, the beginnings of a change of culture, I think, under new GM Bill Zito in Florida. And, um, you know, it's been clear for some time during training camp that maybe Keith Yandel doesn't fit the, the, the long-term plans for the Panthers under head coach Joel Quenville now in his second season there. And, of course, Bill Zito going through his uh first going into his first season as a GM there. Now, the the interesting, you know, there's such a, I mean, a number of layers to this, but Keith Yandel, the current NHL Ironman uh, salary cap hit of $6.35 million has a no move clause, um, but may not be. And I think it looks, the signal seemed to be that he won't be in the opening night roster for the Panthers when they begin their season. Um, And obviously looking for a place that, another team that, that might be interested in Keith Yandel's services, terrific power play guy. But that's a real, that's a bit of a shocker, I think, for a team that's, you know, that's still sort of middle of the pack and, and really searching for success in South Florida. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, listen, you know, Bill Zito wasn't hired because the Panthers had had won the Cup five of the last six years. No, I, I mean. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's true. You've got a frustrated owner who wants change. And and I think a lot of that change is, is not just on the ice in terms of 
getting better players and winning more games, but I think it's cultural too. And, you know, you feel for Keith Yannel that if his streak ends this way as a healthy scratch, but, and, and, and listen, you and I both had the interactions with Keith Yannel over the years, very nice guy, uh, fun to talk to, but let me just be blunt. I mean, on the one side, you feel it's unfair that that's how it may end. On the other side, play better. I mean, I'm sorry, but yeah. that's just what it is. And, and you know, we'll see how this plays out. I mean, he's technically part of their opening season roster, actually, I believe. But, um, you know, he's got the full no-move clause, so you, you can't put him on the taxi squad, um, I guess, unless he wanted to be. But um, but being part of the opening night roster doesn't necessarily mean that you're part of the opening night lineup, and or maybe right. he is yes. and then doesn't play uh, the next game. Who knows? Let's let's see how this plays out. But it's clear from what we're seeing deployed from the reports out of South Florida in terms of the training camp groups and the lines and the, and the deep airings that uh, that Keith Yannel has fallen out of favor there. Um, and finally, before we get to Bill Daly, um, just uh, I I don't know why it made me I felt sad about it, but certainly I think fairly shocking news with uh, um, reports, in, including reports in the Athletic uh, regarding the um, bankruptcy filings uh, on behalf of uh, Sharks forward Evander Kane, claiming twenty six point eight million dollars of debt. I know that uh, Bob Bugner, who is uh, going into his first season as head coach of the San Jose Sharks, told reporters that uh, Evander Kane is is on board and that the expectation is he's going to be playing with the Sharks. There was some uh, suggestion in the bankruptcy filings themselves in those papers that he might not play this season. He's got a young family, but uh, apparently he will be playing. But, um, you know, that's a, that's, that's a hard that's a hard thing. And it's in it's a. It's a hard thing for a Sharks team that's trying to pick itself up after a very disappointing season last year, being one of the seven teams that didn't qualify for a return to play. Do you, what do you what do you make of all that? Yeah, I mean it's it's hard for it not to be a distraction, no matter how much of a pro you are, and 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 so on. I mean that's that's again judging from legal documents that were obtained and so on. I mean, and I want to be careful how I comment on it because clearly there's a lot we don't know, and and you know you. Yep. Often with athletes, and and certainly Evander gives me the impression of a guy with a big heart who who knows how many people that he's tried to help out, right? According to the legal documents and, and so on, but also some some bad choices I think mixed in there. So cautionary tale we've seen it over the years with athletes, right? Um, yep. But also, you know, a player that I admire. Because of the social stand that he's taken, and, and 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 you know, it was really you know him and Akeem Aliu and a few other guys that that kind of forced hockey, yeah. uh, you know, Black Lives Matter to 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 force us to have these conversations that we finally needed to have. And so let's not forget that part of it, even though clearly it is you know, business and personal life, there are issues here. And, and so that's one of the things I thought of too, is that I hope people don't minimize the part of it where he's, he's had a lot of positive change. Yeah, no, I think that's an excellent point and, uh, and, and, and good to remember as we move forward with that. All right, my friend, as promised, special guest here on our show today. He's not very busy these days, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. Uh, thanks for joining us. I, Bill, let's start with this. We, in a matter of hours, we're going to have a puck drop in Philadelphia, first of five games to start this 2021 season. Does it feel different to you than, say, the lead up to the puck drop on August 1st, uh, return to play in the playoffs in the summer? It, it, does it feel different or, or is, this, is there a sim, sort of similarity to it? Well, I think there's a similarity to it for sure. And, and by the way, thanks for having me, guys. I, I appreciate you having me on. Um, there's a similarity to it. You know, it, uh, I always, uh, there's always excitement involved, uh, with dropping the puck, um, kind of on a new chapter. And while over the summertime, it was the completion of something we had started, 
Um, this time it's a, it's an entirely new season with an entirely new concept, an entirely new structure, and quite frankly, entirely new challenges uh, that'll be associated with the season that we, we probably never encountered before. So um, there's still a sense of excitement and anticipation. Um, I think uh, the hockey community generally, certainly our clubs and our players are very excited to get going. Uh, and to drop the puck, and and uh, we are as well. So uh, so I can't wait to to uh, to see the puck drop later this afternoon. And Bill, for people listening, you know, wondering what a day is like for the deputy commissioner. I, I always remember fin- fondly spending a day in your office, and and I, I felt tired just sitting in your office, never mind <laughs> watching you do what you do. And I'm just wondering what the hours were like negotiating all this with the NHLPA, and I know they had a lot of people there working countless hours. Can you walk us through what it was like in the months leading to the moment where you have, you know, you have something to announce? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a fair question, Pierre. And, and to tell you the truth, um, it's all kind of like a blur. I mean, you know, obviously you have some things scheduled for every day. You know, we have a lot of internal uh, meetings that we have to carry on. I've got, um, you know, uh, I, I suppose at the end of the day, I'm ultimately responsible for all our health and safety protocols and our health and safety group. And I get regularly briefed by that group. And, and you know, we we deal with issues that come up on a daily basis uh, on those calls. And, you know, I have a, um, you know, I have a, I have a group in central registry and legal that we 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 talk to frequently and that's uh, a lot of the CBA issues and the roster issues and the taxi squad issues and the salary cap issues. Those are all, uh, you know, front and center. And then I've got, you know, regular communication with the players association and, you know, I'll single that out as having been, um, you know, really from the start of this pandemic uh, to now, um, really we've, we've never been communicating better. Um, and you know, while I can't say we agree on everything, uh, we're certainly aligned in, uh, directionally in, in what we're trying to accomplish and how we're trying to get there. And, and I think each, each side has seen, um, uh, areas, uh, where the other side struggles and, and has worked, uh, to try to accommodate those. So that, that's obviously a big part of, of, of what we do. Um, you know, I, I'd say probably foolishly, um, you know, and that Gary alluded to it in our press, uh, media availability on Monday that, you know, we, uh, normally you have, a, you know, a couple days after the season ends to take a breath and, and decompress a little bit and, and before, you know, before you turn the page and look to next, uh, year, um, you know, for, for obvious reasons, I guess that never happened this year. So we went from the bubble in Edmonton and, and Gary awarding the Stanley cup at the end of September, uh, you know, to, to getting back to New York and, and getting on, uh, almost immediately, not almost immediately, immediately to the next challenge, which was, uh, creating, um, what we're about to go into tonight. So, um, it's been a, it's been a very long 10 months, uh, for sure. Um, uh, and I'm looking forward to those days uh, where I might be able to take a breath. Um, but I'm also, you know, uh, probably more anxiously looking forward to to getting this season underway. Just a quick add on, Bill, were you able to recharge at all during the holidays? Uh, uh, I know there was still work to uh, well, be done. Well, I mean, I, in some ways, I, in some ways I, I did. I actually, um, you know, we pushed really, really hard, um, uh, you know, and, and I always get a kick out of the fact that, you know, people, um, you know, I, I think we're, we're anxious for announcements and for, for, uh, um, you know, uh, all, all the things that need to be done to get done and, and announced right away. And what, why are we wasting time and et cetera, et cetera. They, they don't realize kind of all the details that need to be worked out. And this is a very, very unique situation this year. Uh, particularly with um, with where all the development leagues are or aren't uh, in terms of playing or not playing, um, where the European leagues are, where the junior leagues are, uh, where the minor professional leagues are, uh, and and where you know where are all the players going to play, and how do you uh, keep 
players from losing a year of development, uh, elite level development. These are all challenges that we've, you know, we had to work through with the Players Association. We still don't have answers to everything. Um, so anyway, we pushed really, really, really hard um, through, I'd say, Christmas Eve. And uh, and then on Christmas Eve night, I, I received word that I had tested positive for COVID. Um, so, uh, you know, at, at least it was on the eve of, of what uh, was a, a less uh, work-filled weekend. Um, you know, I got to sleep a little later on uh, Friday morning and Saturday morning than I normally would have. And, and uh, you know, it was only mildly symptomatic. And, you know, after 10 days, I got out of isolation. I didn't feel perfect, but but I'm certainly back to full health now. And, um, you know, uh, again, it, it, uh, I, I think timing wise, it probably happened for me at the at the best time it possibly could have um, because I was able to kind of balance it with my workload. Oh man, so you feel fine now, Bill? Everything is good. Yeah, no, I feel I, I feel really good. Um, uh, you know, very healthy. It's been what I guess uh, it will be three weeks tomorrow that uh, that I received word. So, you know, the normal um, you know uh, period that they they keep you in isolation is ten days, unless you're symptomatic and you uh, stay in a little longer. I would say, you know, I stayed out of the office obviously for two full weeks, and and um, you know, I had a, a family situation here with uh, with my wife and my my eleven year old son. My eleven year old son also tested positive a week after I did. Um, oh, jeez. Which uh, which kept us all in the house for a long time. <laughs> Uh, but so far, my wife, uh, my wife's all good. So um, I'm, I'm going to have her tested one more time just to make sure everybody's clean, and and uh, we'll we'll move on. I just uh, to follow that up, I, I wonder when something like that happens, Bill, because you've been dealing with the pandemic and its effect and how it affects the game. And when you have something, you know, incredibly personal like that, does it change? Does it change how you view things? Do you have a different perspective? Do you think having gone through it? in that manner or you know what I, I it's a fair question I, I don't really think so I mean I, I think what's I mean certainly I knew a lot about I know a lot about the virus I I, I uh, right. you know I've been dealing with the virus and the situation it creates for 10 months now so you know nothing about it you know, the, the, there wasn't anything my doctor could tell me that I didn't know. So um, from that perspective, you know, it was it was fairly easy to navigate. I mean, the, the, the crazy thing about the covid virus is the is the greatly disparate impact and effect and consequences it has on different people. So, you know, at the end of the day, I was very fortunate. You know, I, I, while I had some uh, symptoms, they were my, minor. Um, you know, and, and I didn't get really sick. Um, unfortunately, uh, a lot of people do and with, with dire consequences for some. So um, that's what makes the, the virus more scary than anything else. That is for sure. Now, now the league uh, last night, as we taped this on the on opening night here, um, last night you put out a statement, Bill, or your office did, uh, to update the numbers of the positive cases around the league during training camp. And, you know, obviously there was an outbreak in Dallas, which is far from ideal. But you, but if you take the stars out of it, I think if I – tell me if I'm wrong, 10 positive cases otherwise in the rest of the league. I mean, yeah, of course you don't want any cases. I, I don't want to, you know, minimize that. But, I mean, maybe I'm misreading this, but certainly it could have been worse. Um I mean, what's your take of the numbers before the season here? Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, I, I think I, I concur uh, with your overall assessment. I mean, if if you would ask me two weeks ago, you know, what what's the number I would expect in in a situation where every club had, you know, uh, you know, thirty six players in camp and they were tested every day. Um, that uh you know and and they're not in a bubble right they're in a training camp situation and and a lot of them who are prospects are staying in hotels um and not even in their mm -hmm. own homes um so the, the fact that of all those players and i think you know we estimated it uh, for purposes of the release of about 1200 players um and over 10,000 tests like well over 10,000 tests the fact that only you know 
Dallas aside, and and you know it's hard to put Dallas aside, but Dallas aside, the fact that only, we only had ten players with uh, confirmed positives, I think was was positive uh, in the sense that I think I, I think it's uh, demonstrative of the fact that our our players and our clubs are taking this seriously, that they're doing the right things, that they're staying safe uh, and they're staying vigilant, um, and I think that you know bodes well. Um, uh, you know, for, for the coming season. So uh, I agree with you. Um, obviously in Dallas, we had a, a different situation and, and it's, you know, it's hard to get your uh, head around exactly um, how you have a spread of that magnitude, uh, you know, with, uh, with, with people uh, practicing um, all the best practices uh, that they are, but it, it, it does show, you know, how, how, uh, you know, how important, uh, it is, and how easily this can spread, and 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 why what we're doing, and and what uh, we've told players to do and clubs to do are so important, um, because it shows you know that you, you you make a couple bad decisions, and all of a sudden you have a um, a situation that that becomes untenable very quickly. So, um, you know, ho- hopefully we'll use uh, the Dallas situation as a cautionary lesson. Uh, all of our clubs will look at it that way, and and uh, maybe at the end of the day, if uh, if if uh, everybody recovers satisfactorily, it'll it'll actually be a positive development in the sense of consciousness raising around the league. Uh, we'll let you go in a few minutes here, Bill. But I, I, just to follow up on the Dallas thing, and, and and Gary referred to this during your your media Zoom call that <clears throat> the protocols aren't guidelines they're not suggestions they're they're rules and teams really they need to follow them and the league will um you know the league's going to watch very closely when you look at what happened in dallas were there transgressions were there protocols that weren't followed and just as a follow-up to that um do you have a sense on when the stars might be able to resume their schedule we already know they're going to miss their first i think three games to start with but do you you have a sense of when when they might be able to get into the mix. So I'll, ask, I'll answer the last question first. We do we do have a target uh, for what we think uh, is doable with respect to the stars. I don't want to jump the gun yet on that um, because you know they just opened their practice facility yesterday for the first time. So we'll see how the next couple of days play out before we make any definitive announcements. Uh, or decisions, quite frankly, um, but uh, but we yeah. do have kind of a tentative plan for for how uh, you know we we get their games played and and what that looks like. Um, with respect to protocol violations, um, I, I will say we've spent a lot of time on that, and uh, by all accounts, um, uh, there were some minor uh, protocol breaches that people uh, could point to. Um, certainly none. <laughs> Uh, when you think about it, should have led to the spread that we saw. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think some people have some ideas as to what contributed to it um, and, and may have contributed greatly to it. And, and in some respects, it was something uh, beyond the team's control. Um, so, uh, look, we're, we're going to use it as a, as a, uh, as a learning uh, kind of message, cautionary tale. And uh, we're going to move on. But uh, obviously, we do take our protocols seriously and, and, you know, violations of our protocols will be addressed. And quick last one. I know you got to run literally in a minute here, Bill, uh, for another engagement. Um, I've seen some talk of the NHL draft potentially being pushed back to December. You mentioned the development leagues. I mean, Canadian junior hockey right now is at a standstill. Is that, I mean, I know you're just trying to get through opening night first, but... When do you start to look at that uh, authority issue? Well, I think we start to look at it uh, fairly quickly. Um, having said that, I can't tell you that that there's any thought uh, currently in in delaying the draft in a material way. Um, I mean, we do have we do have a thirty second franchise uh, uh, coming into the league this year. Uh, and a 30-second franchise who's going to be relying on that draft. Oh, <laughs> so, right. Uh, <laughs> Good point. I think, I, I think it'd be pro- I think it'd be problematic, particularly for the Seattle Kraken, if we uh, if we delayed the draft to December. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Listen, Bill, thank thank you so much for coming and, and joining us uh, on the eve of of puck drop for the 2021 season. And 
here's to staying healthy for you and your family. And uh, hopefully before this is all done, maybe the three of us will be able to be in a hockey rink in the, at the same time. And uh by the end of the season, maybe we'll get to that point. But thanks for coming and hanging out with us, and and, and good luck the the rest of the way. I would look forward to that. Uh, thanks again for having me, and happy new year to you and your listeners. All right, my friend. Uh, I I can't. I mean, you you alluded to spending time with uh, Bill Daly back in uh, normal days, and and the amount of work that uh, goes into his daily routine. But uh, well, I just can't imagine what what he and the NHLPA have gone through for both return to play and now getting the season off to um, hopefully a, a smooth start to later today. But also the, the fact that he shared with us that he and his family went through mm-hmm. COVID-19 as well. It just, to me, it just adds such a personal element to this. And, you know, we've had it in, in my family here too. It is, it, it, it just is, it's a very scary time. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, it just brings it home when when people that you know are going through it or have gone through it. Yeah, and I thought that uh, you know Bill made such a great point about what do we know about disease or what do we not know? You know, why is it that in his case, uh, thank goodness, it was you know it sounds like it was pretty mild as per his words, um, and but for other people, well, we know what the you know, how bad it can be and how, what the death rate is around the world. It's, it's, it's just a, it's such a scary situation. And uh, we're obviously happy for, for him and his family that they're fine. Um, but, but, you know, I thought you had a great follow-up question, which was, you know, whether it gives him some perspective because all he's been dealing with as deputy commissioner is the pandemic and the disease and, and, and how it affects the business and how it affects the players and staff and everyone. I can't help but think that, uh, that, you know, living through that, it just adds another layer to that for sure. All right, my friend, we got a couple of things to take care of before we wrap up this edition of Two Man Advantage, of course, under the umbrella of the Athletic Hockey Show. I love that. There'll be a quiz for you. I'm going to ask you what the name of our show is at the end of this, just to see if you're paying attention. But... <laughs> Um, all right. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, uh, we're going to, I'm going to give you a division and I want you to tell me, be like word association. So I'm going to give you a division. You tell me a player, a team. Hold on. Uh, I got to remember who's in each division. Yeah, you can. I, and I'm not going to give you, and, and in spite of perhaps angering the NHL and their sponsors, <laughs> I will not be giving you the official s- sponsor name of the division. I'm just going to go use the geography. Uh, but I want you to tell me okay. what comes to mind for you, team, player, dynamic, what you're looking forward to. Are you ready? Are you got your, it's sort of like a game show. Are I'm you ready. ready? I'm okay. good. Now. Okay. And now I have to, now I have to remember them. Okay. East division. That's the one with all the good teams on the East in the United States. Yeah. So murderers row for yep. sure. Murderers yep. row. The toughest division, toughest to make the playoffs. And we're going to have a team finish fifth, miss the playoffs that likely will have a higher point total than the team in the West and maybe even the North. Yep. Um, and there'll be all kinds of outcry. And it'll remind us of the 1980s when the Leafs uh, Red Wings made the playoffs with 47 points in the <laughs> yeah, North. <laughs> they had great series, um, though. They always played they had these epic playoff series. Yeah. 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 No, the East is uh, it, it's crazy. And it, 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 it's interesting. Um, I was listening to uh, to our friend Steve Coolius and his show, The Power Play, and Christopher Stieg was on, Scotty. Oh, yeah. And they were asking for sort of surprise picks. He picked the Flyers to miss the playoffs and actually to finish in the bottom third of the overall NHL standings. I was stunned by that. I mean, because I'm not so sure the Flyers won't win that division <laughs> as tough as it is. So, uh, but who knows? He could be right. I could be right. I mean, that's the fascinating part of opening night here is that everyone gets married to their narratives and their predictions and their, their sense that they got a pretty good feel about all the teams, right? Yep. And it's amazing within 48 to 72 hours how a lot changes. (laughs) You know, this team's supposed to be terrible. They start 3-0 and and now you see the revisionist history. And and that's never been more true than I think this year in this unique season where A, you're only playing within your division. um, And B, some teams haven't played in 10 months. So those seven teams, like what are they about right now? Yeah, no kidding. Um, And and a lot of off-season changes. But, you know, just... 
the fact that you're playing only in your division uh, really is going to have a dramatic impact, I think, on on how the season plays out for a lot of these teams. No question. Yeah. Well, and and I'll you know throw my two cents on the East, and you know, it, it really uh, you know really difficult time for the New Jersey Devils. Corey Crawford. Uh, announcing his retirement uh, before he was able to play a game for the Devils, so that's it. That's in that division. It's just going to be so tough for Lindy Ruff and that young crew. So, you know, if you mm-hmm. if you slot them into seven or sorry into eight in that division, I would go so far as to say, you know, Buffalo with Taylor Hall and Jack Eichel, who is you know was I think last year really showed he is a superstar. Yeah, yeah, just a really. So maybe Buffalo takes that step forward. The New York Rangers, just uh, Alexis Lafreniere going to play his first game tomorrow night against the Islanders. Ke'Andre Miller, I'm so excited to see how he fits into that Ranger blue line. And then the two young goaltenders, Jesterkin and Gorgiev, taking over for Henrik Lundqvist. They're going to be in the mix. Pierre, I think there might be, it may even be, you know, sort of three really good teams who don't make the playoffs. And, and I'm with you. Right. I think, I think Philly's a playoff team, but we're, I think we're going to be surprised and, and that's going to be part of the great drama of that division. So I'm, I'm with you. And then the team, no one, still no one talks about outside of their market. And you can see why these fans have a chip on their shoulder. And I kind of love this fan base, but again, the Islanders not getting a lot of respect in, in the <laughs> preseason true. predictions. And it's I like, know. I don't know, man. <laughs> Might have the best coach in the league behind their bench and um, and Barry Trotz and uh, I, I don't know I why would you bet against the Islanders like have they not done enough now in the last couple of years where you know they're gonna just grind it out and get in there Oh well it may not I'm just but but yeah. to me they've earned my respect where instead of being like well let's see a bit more from them now it's the opposite for me now it's more like they've earned the spot where if anything. Let's let their play take them down from where I've now put them at a pedestal. Because I, yeah. I just think the Islanders, they might, you know, they might play the best team game in the NHL. Yeah, no their structure. Yep. Uh, all right, I'm going to give you another division. You did very well there, by the way. So we're, we're going to go to another division. West division. Yes. I'd like to call it the Pacific, but of course that makes no sense if you're St. Louis or Minnesota. Um, I had to. I actually had to stop and think: Is it the West or is it the Pacific? No, it's, it's the West. <laughs> yeah, is it? Is it like now? If I would have got my way and used the '80s uh, division names, would we call this the Smythe? Yes, I think. Yeah, I think. I think I decided to call the Canadian division the Smythe though when I wrote that column months ago. But <laughs> anyway, uh, it's half the old Smythe with the California team. You know, it, it's the weakest of the four divisions for me. Um, and again, that's not, I'm not slagging them. I mean, obviously there's a team that might win the Stanley cup that's in it in the Colorado avalanche and another team that could win the Stanley cup in the Vegas Golden Knights. And yet another team that's won a cup two years ago in St. Louis. So it's top heavy. Uh, the three California teams are, are in transition. I mean, the Kings in a clear rebuild. I think the ducks are a little ahead of that and the sharks hope to bounce back, but they're younger. Um, but the three California teams are, you know, obviously have their work cut out against those top heavy teams I talked about. So what that division really comes down to for me, if you hand playoff spots now, you know, injuries aside to Colorado, Vegas, and St. Louis, right? You would agree? Yes. Yes. It comes down the, 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 the narrative of that division, which is intriguing, is who gets the fourth spot. You know, is it Minnesota, which finished strong last year? Is it a bounce back San Jose team? And I know that everyone is against me on this notion. I got a sneaking suspicion that the Jones Dubnik goalie tandem is going to be a fun story this year. That everyone's written those two guys off. They've done a lot of work this offseason. And I, I'm curious to see how those two guys combine there in San Jose. Yeah. Um, I- and Arizona, which was a playoff team, right? Or a, at least a play in team. Uh, uh, no, no, they were no, a playoff they, team. Uh, Played Colorado in the first round. Right. Yep. Right. Yeah. So, it, you know, who finishes fourth is really the question, right? Yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you, and and I think I mean it's going to be fascinating to see, you know, and I don't know how we're going to work awards votings. Uh, so, who's you your know? pick for fourth? Well, I would. I think it's. I think it's Arizona and Minnesota. I, I don't. I think it's O for California two years in a row. I, I just. I'm with you. I think mm-hmm. San Jose's the. 
I'm not sure. I don't think the Kings or the Ducks are quite there yet. A lot of youth on both those teams, and um, I just don't think they're quite there. But um, I think Arizona is going to be interesting um, because their goaltending is so solid with Darcy Cumper and Auntie Ranta. Um, but Minnesota, that blue line's still really good. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm with you, and and I, but I think it's going to be fascinating that battle uh, to to win the West Division is going to be an, an enormous one because, and listen, hey, it's all on paper, but what's the benefit? What what's the benefit if you're St. Louis, Colorado, or Vegas of finishing first and not having to play? one of those other two teams in the first round, because of course it's going to be one, four, two, three in the division to win that mm-hmm. division is absolutely right. paramount because in theory, it gives you a much easier path into the second round. And then, you know, who knows, but so I think it's, yeah, I think the, the dominoes there are, are, are going to be fascinating to see how they fall. So good call. So I'm picking the sharks to finish fourth and a mild upset. Yeah, I, um, I, yeah. I, I like Minnesota, but then I looked at who they had playing center, and then I liked them less. <laughs> um, and I think Arizona's going backwards. I, I think overall they're going forward. I, I really like the Bill Armstrong hires GM. Love that Shane Doan is back with the organization. That Agreed. Was, yep. That was a no-brainer of the year. But I think they took a step back in the interim here. Yeah. I, yeah. Think, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's a very good team. I think Rick Tockett coached the hell out of them last year. They got great goaltending. But I don't think they can score. And I think there's, again, there's, you know, there's always sort of uncertainty around that franchise. So hopefully the Shane Doan hire will help stabilize things there. Yeah, good point. All right. All right. We're going to take a, a final break. Then we're going to go back to the other two divisions. And then we will. I know who you're keeping for last. You know, I know who you're keeping for last. <laughs> well, I don't know that you do, though. <laughs> it's going to be a trick. All right. You, uh, so far, you're doing very well at this. I'm very proud of you. And uh, so, uh, Word Association Central Division. First of all, I don't appreciate your patronizing of me. Okay. Like, <laughs> well, but you should be used to it by now. <laughs> Which division did you give me now? See, there you go. Central. <laughs> Central. I knew you were going to keep the All Canadian Division for last. Uh, Central, a bit like the West to me, is top heavy, uh, but a bit deeper. Um, you know, and it's hard not to, to love Tampa at the top, but I'm going to give you the up, my upset division winner for the central this year, Carolina hurricanes is who I'm picking to win that division. I think with Tampa, it's not a concern with them. I mean, I think they've got a very good shot of defending their, their championship, but I think it's more like, does winning the division matter that much to us? We just won the cup. You know what I mean? Like sort of that, that mental state. Yeah, for sure. So a uh, cup hangover, whatever you want to call it. So I'll go Carolina, oh, I, Tampa. I think we saw that. Yeah. 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 Yep. Carolina, don't interrupt. Do not interrupt when I'm pr- doing predictions that are always wrong. Uh, I'm going to go <laughs> Carolina, Tampa at the top. And then it's fascinating, right? I mean, Dallas coming off the cup final, but they got injuries. I And you love that group. I mean, I just, I could watch Mira. He's going to play all, all night and just, that'd be the only player I'd watch every night. But I think, I think they're in for a real hangover year. I think the stars are, you know, now obviously off the ice with the COVID situation. The COVID, season yep. being delayed. I think the stars, that could be one of the big storylines. Do they go in for a bit of a drop here? Um, Chicago and Detroit will be at the bottom. You know, Columbus. So here's what I'm going to tell you is I think Columbus makes it as a fourth team. I think they, <laughs> and they're the team that. Yeah. Players keep wanting to leave, but they just keep getting in and they'll probably knock off someone big. I don't know. Like, it's just the Blue Jackets are, yeah. are this great story of why does no one want to play there and why do they just keep finding ways to win? And, you know, I love the Corpus Salomers, the uh, tandem and goal. But yeah, how does the Pierre Luc Dubois trade request affect the season or not? Don't you think if there's any team that can deal with it, it's Nick Foligno and that gang? Like, you know, yeah, for sure. Like, like Panarin and Bobrovsky and what a gong show that was that year. Well, then, of course, they go out and beat the 62 win Lightning, 62 win Tampa Bay Lightning that year with all those distractions. Last year, they beat the Leafs. Um, so I, I, I know, I, I think that Columbus, everyone's writing them off because, you know, can they score goals? Their, their star center wants out. And I just think they'll go out and surprise. 
so I, this will come as no surprise to you because you know I, every I get a little stock on me, uh, but I, I have picked the Carolina Hurricanes. I didn't even I didn't even think we did divisional picks, and I don't know whether they'll win the division. I picked them to win the Stanley Cup, my friend. Oh, I boy. think that team is that, that is Stockholm though with you. Like to be fair, every team yeah, that you spent time behind the scenes with you, you picked to win the cup. No, I'm just saying that's your that's your calling well, card. That's right. And because I spent some time with Alexi Lafreniere, I'm going to pick the Rangers to go to the finals. So no, I, I no, that's I'm just kidding on that part. But no, I think but, I but do I'll think that what, the Rangers are going to be Rangers are going to be a juggernaut. Oh, before they're going to be long. a handful. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I do like the Canes a lot. I just. I'm fascinated to see what happens with Rod Brindamore. And as, as you know, uh, I was there last season and uh, Rod and I talked about, you know, his future. And you've written about this. He's one of a handful of coaches. We know that Jeremy Colleton has uh, just signed an extension with the Chicago Blackhawks. But I think are there five more coaches who are in a contract year yes. now? Is that right? So Do you I got right? uh, yeah. Rod Brindamore. And you want me to name them? If you want. Okay. I, I could name then them. Then be quiet for a second. <laughs> So you got okay. Rod Brindamore, Travis Green, John Tortorella, uh, Rick Tockett, Jeff Blasher. Right. Um, and I'm, I, I think they're, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how I think we'll see a number of those sign extensions as as time goes along here. But I'm curious to see what happens mm, with Rod Brindamore because he number, and I right? spoke last year mm. because, yeah, well, and he's, he made it, he said at the time, Listen, I'm not going to be a guy who goes, you know, around the league, right? I mean, he's. I think he felt that he was a coach, but he was a coach for one team, the Carolina Hurricanes, and and I I understand that. Mm-hmm. I hope the organization doesn't try and take advantage of that loyalty by, you know, taking advantage of him financially because that would be a lousy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know this: people around the NHL, like he, he's a hell of a coach. And it's he's not just a hell of a coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, and I am I would I be wagering a lot of money that if things do go a bit sideways with the Hurricanes in terms of a contract negotiation, there will be teams lining up to try and get Rod Brindamore to come and coach their team. So I'm curious to see how that unfolds. Do you, do you think that's fair? Yeah, no, it, it is interesting. I, and I quoted uh, Hurricanes owner Tom Dunn, and I, I brought up the the six coaches about a month or so ago in a, in a notebook, in a rumblings for uh, for the Athletic. And uh, I quoted Tom Dunn in saying that 100% Rod Brindamore would be taken care of, that he would be signed. So that's the owner. Um, if I had to rank the five remaining coaches on expiring deals, about the the, cert, the certainty or not of them getting re-signed, I would have Travis Green and Brendan Moore at the top, definitely getting extensions at some point over the next over the next several months. And then I think John Tortorella is probably a sixty forty. I mean, they love him in Columbus, but he's also been there a while. And so let's see how this plays out with Dubois and everything else. I'm just saying. So you got to sort of, yeah. I, I think he gets re-signed as long as he's still happy there and. I think the Jackets management really likes him, but I, I don't want to give it the 100% treatment. Um, and then I think, you know, Rick Tockett, I, I just, who I think, uh, I think you agree is, is a terrific coach, but he, yes, he gets inherited by his new GM, right? So that's always an interesting situation. Now, maybe it turns out that uh, as they get to know each other this year, that they really hit it off and, and, and they want him to stick around. But it's not just about whether Bill Armstrong wants to keep Rick Tockett around. I think you have to ask the question, does Rick Tockett had enough of Arizona? I don't know. Exactly. I'm not saying he has. I'm just saying yeah. that's a two-way street to me, that one. And then finally, I think with Jeff Blaschel, who's been there a while in Detroit, the wings are in total rebuild. You know, does he, you know, the, the, does he survive, the? I guess, the, this rebuilding phase? I think that's fair, right? Yeah. yeah. No, so I that's how so. I would rank them. Um, yeah, no, and I, I think you're right on with that. So. Um, all right, we're going to do the final division before we close out this edition of Two Man Advantage under the Athletic Hockey Show. Um, the North, I like. I have written it as the O Canada, like O, like just an O, and then Canada. So clever. And so the clever. we are, we are, we are. I think that was a book by Mordecai Rixler back in the day. Um, oh, uh, the we are the. North, because I think that was a Raptors thing. But for our purposes, the North. What 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 comes to mind? What's the word association? North division. Total grind. That's two words. 
Yeah. I, because I'll tell you what. That's good enough. I'll tell you what's fascinating to me about about this division is that um, even though most people, I did a poll of, of a lot of the U.S. team executives and coaches about a month ago, if you remember, and then Frank Saravelli did one this week, and our polls showed up with the same aggregate ranking, with Toronto winning it all by I think Montreal, Calgary, and there's some version of that. And the only thing I will tell you, and I'm not disagreeing with that ranking, is that for a division that I see is completely full of parity, other than rebuilding Ottawa, who may surprise, by the way, but you got six teams. Like, if I told you any of the six other Canadian teams were going to win the, the division, like, would, you, would you be like, well, there's no way that's going to happen? No, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, Could be Winnipeg. Right. Could be Edmonton. And yet when you poll yeah. hockey people, the Leafs always went out, which is interesting. Now, Montreal's gotten a few votes. Uh, Calgary's got a few votes. Here's the other thing I will tell you. I'm amazed at how people have downgraded the Vancouver Canucks in these surveys. I'm not I'm not saying no. Vancouver's going to win the division, but, okay, they lose Jacob Markstrom, who was arguably their MVP the last two years. I'm not I'm not denying that. He, 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 he masked a lot of their def- defensive deficiencies by incredible goaltending, and now he's gone. But I believe in Thatcher Demko. I think Braden Holby was a great security blanket. Will their goaltending be as good? No, I think it'll be a, a a smidge below. But the idea that, you know, isn't Nate Schmidt an upgrade over Chris Tanev on defense? Um, they yes, get Travis Hamannick for a song off the PTO at $1.25 million. So you got Hamannick starting with Quinn Hughes. Uh, you got Nate Schmidt with Edler. Uh, Myers is on your third pairing. So yes. I, I don't know. Like I think people, a narrative took hold in the first day of free agency that the Canucks were getting raided, and then it seems like it just stayed there. Even though since then the Canucks go out and steal Nate Schmidt because Vegas has cap issues. Um, you know, they get Hamannick for nothing. I I think the Canucks are going to be right there, battling for a playoff spot. I do not see them regressing, in my mind. I'm with you. So here's it just it, what amazes me is it, it, not just that people really love Toronto to win that division. And, but when we did our athletic um, predictions and we had predictions for who will win the Stanley Cup. And I can't remember how many different teams were named. Only one North Division team got a vote. And I think it was just one vote and it was Toronto. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what's really surprised me because I'm with you. I, I think all the six of those teams outside of Ottawa, um, you can make a case for them to be in the playoffs. You can see a way that they could be a team that could win a round or two or whatever it is. One of those teams is going to the final four, right? That's right. how it's set up. And yet no one, none of the athletic writers believe that they don't believe in them. And I, I was surprised by that because I think Montreal, I think Mark, like, listen, Mark Bergerman's pushed all his chips in. Uh, and it's going to be fascinating to see, you know, Josh Anderson, that contract, what's going to happen there. But I love, that's a hard, you know, think about the additions there with Tyler Toffoli. Yeah, it's the deepest team, uh, it's the deepest the team the Habs have had in the Mark Bergerman era. There's no question. Yeah, for sure. Could, and I, just, I, so let me ask you the question. Were you surprised? Like, I think. I love that division, and yet there seems to be very little support for, well, yeah, it's really going to be fun division to watch, you know, the Canadians having their toy up on the north side of the mm-hmm. border. But no one believes that they can that they can run the, the table or, or can be a, a true cup contender. I'm, bit, I'm surprised by that. Yeah, and, and I think the best way to put it is that, you know, when you look at, even though the Leafs almost win every single poll that you see of the north division, when you see a lot of people rank their top 10 teams in the NHL overall, the Leafs rarely crack the top five. So it's, it's, it, it's so I, I think, I think what you have is that the all Canadian division has six playoff worthy teams, six very good teams, but no great ones. Now the Leafs are knocking on the door the, the Leafs have a chance to be great, but but I think that's what you have is that you have these six teams that are all going to have their moments here this year. And, and, and again, I can make the case for all six to, to get in that top four of their division. But, and again, I, the senators are going to be fun to me. I mean, they still, that blue line is, is trouble, but you know, Matt Murray and goal, uh, so much young talent up front. I can't wait yeah. to watch Tim Stoltze play, but you know, 
when you're told you're no good and you have no chance and everyone's picked you to be last in the all-Canadian division with all eyes in, in this country watching, that can do wonders. DJ Smith will walk in that room and said, people are laughing at us. You know, yes, that, for that sure. the pure natural emotion of playing like you're scared. It'll be interesting to see how the Senators respond. Again, I'm not, I still have them seventh. I'm just saying, I don't think they're going to be pushovers. I mean, I mean, they've got some young, you know, if the owner can stay out of the way, this team is actually on the way to, to being something. Well, and I thought the I thought the additions of guys like Derek Stepan and Evgeny Dodonov from uh, Florida, uh, there are players there that will, um, you know, some carry some load and be important figures in that dressing room. And I'm listen. I I think DJ Smith is going to be a great NHL coach. I think he's already taken significant strides with a with a, a team that wasn't very good when he took over there. And I'm with you. I don't see them. They're not going anywhere but seventh, I don't think. But they are going to make life miserable on most nights for whoever they play. And I think that's they're going to learn a lot this season. And, and I don't think they're very far from being around. As long as Matt Murray can sort of refine his mojo, I, I think they're a team that could trend very quickly back into a playoff spot mm-hmm. once we get back to normal. So, Should we do our cup pick? So you did Carolina. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'll give you – and I – I, I, I hate that I'm with the the group thinking because I usually not a group think guy, but I, I'm 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 going Colorado. It's their time, and that was my piece today, by the way, for people listening. I know it was a great, a nice piece. chat with I Joe Sackick, and uh, yeah, it is their time. I think it's their time. Yeah, well, I think uh, it's hard to go against them. That division, though, I'll tell you this: I, I, I'm I'm not going to make a prediction on a finalist. I, I got the team you cannot sleep on, and people have our voters sort of reflected this. I just love what Doug Armstrong has done with the Blues. Like, I really think Tory Krug mm-hmm. is going to make, he's going to fill the Alex Petrangelo void. Different player, he's going to fill that void. And Mike Hoffman, you know, with Tarasenko out for what is expected to be most of the regular season, if not all of it, that Mike Hoffman signing is terrific. And I think those two guys are going to rejuvenate a Blues team that looked a little aimless in the playoffs. And I think. I think they're going to come back with a vengeance, and I don't. I I, I know with Vegas and Colorado, it's going to be a, a tremendous battle for that top spot. But the Blues are going to be there right to the end. I only have one question, and, and yes, I agree with everything you just said. Doug Armstrong had a fabulous offseason. Which Jordan Binnington do we get? Well, I think that's a fair question. You can't have playoff Jordan Binnington, or that won't be very good. Um, and here's the other thing: I think there are going to be like I'm like. I think there's going to be movement. The trade deadline is going to be way, it's going to be different because of the flat cap and COVID and who knows what the border looks like by April 12th. That's the deadline, right? April 12th. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I don't, I don't know, but you're right. That's a, that's a, that's an excellent question, but I think there could be some goalies on the move. Um, I just think there could be, and I, and I don't think Doug Armstrong will be shy to make a move. I know that, you know, they losing Jake Allen, and again, we sort of the yin and yang. The loss of Jake Allen is going to be significant for the Blues, and I think the addition of Jake Allen from Montreal. I think that team, that team could go to a Stanley Cup final. It could, and they could definitely go to the Final Four. I, I just, I love that depth there. So, all right. So you gave me Colorado. I've got Carolina. See how it turns out. Uh, okay. We mentioned the athletic hockey show. It's sort of, it's a new thing. Um, and the athletic hockey show with our new, well, he's our longtime pal, but our new colleague, Ian Mendez and Haley Sil- Salvian, uh, had they, they had their successful debut on Monday. Nice job. Ian Mendez returns with another edition on Thursday. It's, we're going to get a lot of uh, value out of Ian Mendez, obviously. Another edition on Thursday with Down Goes Brown, Sean McIndoe. Very nice. Uh, Corey Pronman, the athletics prospect writer. I just wish he was more productive, Corey. I just, he, he needs to be doing more work. Uh, he joins Craig Custance this week on the full 60 for the latest in the prospect series at the athletic. And oh, they still got that full good- 60 going, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they get to do whatever they want. It's Craig's yeah, show. Yeah. So yeah. he's not under the umbrella. He didn't have to change his name. Um, and former Wild head coach Bruce Boudreaux helps Mike Russo preview the Minnesota Wild season. Oh, that I, I would love to see that <laughs> because, of course, a year ago, uh, Bruce was still coaching the Wild. Uh, on this edition, with this week's edition of Straight from the Source at The Athletic, The Athletic Hockey Show 
two-man advantage edition check out our comments section for each podcast episode at the athletic app and rate and subscribe to the athletic show on apple and if you aren't a subscriber go to theathletic.com slash hockey show and receive a subscription for just $3.99 per month that is almost nothing and my friend, you were outstanding today. I'm not, I'm not patronizing you. I, th- I thought you were very good today. Good, and you've adjusted nicely to the new naming. Good on you, my friend. And, and we're, you know what? We're going to do it again next week. I had a good sleep. I was ready. You were a great leader. I love it. Right on, right on.